Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly. Good morning again. It is the 15th of December, 2022. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We seek to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. You can always connect with us at MyFaithRadio.com. Check out all we've got going on there. Plan to read through the Bible with us. Um, We're reading through the Bible during Advent right now in an Advent series, but we will certainly be reading through the Bible together in 2023 as well. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, if you want to connect with other resources, MyFaithRadio.com, a great place to do that. Um, The Fed has uh, approved another half of a percent interest rate hike. Um, And so that is happening. I don't think that was a surprise to anyone. Um, However, it does mean that people who want to be buying houses or people who have um, credit cards with interest rates that, um, you know, that move with um, with the prime, those are, those are going up. Yeah, those are going up. Governor um, Gavin Newsom in California, uh, there's some, a couple of things going on in relationship to the migrant crisis at the U.S. southern border. And I just want you to be aware of these developments um, because we are right uh, at the right at the precipice in terms of um title 42 which is um uh, a standard that allows border officers to um turn illegal immigrants around at the border um that is about to expire um and suddenly like suddenly people who should have been taking note all along of this incredible crisis at the U.S. southern border. Well, they're taking notice now. And so, you know, let's just be thankful that finally people are waking up to this concern, people who have to this point been either unconcerned or actually um, working contrary to uh, the legal the legal border protections that should be in place um, for the United States of America. So the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, actually warned California that their state could, quote, break amid President Joe Biden's decision to reverse Title 42. Um, and so we have the governor of California now concerned. I mean, California is a a so-called sanctuary state for illegal immigrants. And now at least the governor of that state um, recognizes that a, a completely uncontrolled flow of illegal immigration um, does have the potential to, you know, break break a state, break an economy even as large as California. MSNBC, that's what's notable here, is the person who um, actually offered this report, critical report, um, yesterday. It, the source of this is what matters, not the content, because this content has been covered by by others, but not by what I might consider people on the left. 
in terms of media, which means that there's just a lot of folks, let's say, who only get their news and information from sources like MSNBC, who really have not been aware of what's happening at the U.S. southern border. Well, now, um, uh, Jose Diaz um, Balart, who is an anchor for MSNBC, he was openly criticizing the White House's lack of urgency, their lack of outrage toward the ongoing crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border, the word crisis being now openly used. So, there you go. Um, let's not be um, let's not let's not be oh, I don't know exhausted by the fact that people are late to this. Let's just be glad that they finally arrived. Okay, so um, you you are likely going to hear a whole lot more about what's going on at the U.S. Mexico border, and and a whole lot more folks interested in finding real solutions to um, the humanitarian crisis that is unfolding and the challenge the challenges that it poses for the United States of America, where all of these folks are um, are seeking to enter. Peru has declared a 30-day state of emergency. The challenge with this, as riots break out across the country, the challenge is the nature of the police state um, that is uh, is now in place. Um, the suspension of people's basic human rights is of real concern to me, so let's keep an eye on what's going on in Peru, and let's be lifting that up in prayer. If you know um, missionaries on the field there, or if you have friends there, um, maybe you could put us into contact with them, or you could get in contact with them, and let's just get updates from on the ground as we can. Um, Putin continues to be uh, up to no good. I mean, he's definitely on Santa's naughty list this year. I mean, I know that there isn't one, no naughty list, but if there were a naughty list, certainly Vladimir Putin would be on it. Uh, His latest um, adventure is to set up nuclear missiles in silos that are capable of reaching the United States and the U.K. Um, This is certainly an escalation. It's certainly contrary to many of the treaties in place. And so you'll be hearing about that as well. Meanwhile, I got this one really good news story that I want you to be aware of. um, Because Christians, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of this, I want us to remember, Christians are being Christians everywhere all the time. And, And let us... Praise God for that. Let's let us point it out when we witness it. Let us celebrate it publicly when we see it. Christians are being Christians everywhere, all the time. There's an NBA coach who um, was caught on camera following a game, not only consoling the you know the opposing coach, um, you know shaking hands, speaking to him, consoling him about the loss of his father, but then for about thirty seconds, openly and very publicly praying for him. So the Phoenix coach is Monty Williams, um, and he was uh, speaking with Houston's Stephen Silas on, on the court following the game. Um, and Silas's father, who's a former NBA player and coach, passed away just three days prior to the game. And Monty Williams is not only, you know, obviously shaking his hand and offering him words of consolation. He then offers to pray. And Silas is open to that. And so these two men embrace on this court and there's this public prayer for like more than 30 seconds. It's gone viral on social media. And I just want to celebrate it today because you know what? No matter what else is going on, um, Christians are still being Christians everywhere all the time. And that's praiseworthy. Herbie Newell is going to join us next from Lifeline Children's Services. And we're going to talk about some good news on the adoption front. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing all the plains. 
Kirby Newell is joining us again. He's the president and CEO of Lifeline Children's Services. You can find what we're talking about today and lots of resources at lifelinechild.org. Kirby, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having us, Carmen. This is always a highlight of our team's month to get to be able to sit down with you and and talk about uh, adoption and, and caring for the most vulnerable. Well, we just um, we love what you're doing, and we appreciate um, your your fellowship and your partnership. Talk with us um, about international adoption at Lifeline. Yeah, certainly. I think you know over the last three years with the COVID pandemic, we've certainly seen a lot of things around the world that have brought great uncertainty, just like they have here in the United States. And we've seen, obviously, this pandemic especially affect uh, international locations and especially countries with with less economy and less ability to adjust uh, even more poorly. We've seen uh, the orphan crisis really uh, just be exacerbated around the world. Uh, as in so many countries, you had mass migration uh, as as workers were leaving big cities and all types of things. Uh, but what we have been so encouraged by, and, and, and I end with, or I start with where you ended the last segment, we're so encouraged because we're seeing the Church of God step up and, and be willing to provide families, to provide homes, to provide resources for vulnerable children around the world that desperately need a home. And so international adoption is that time when God's people uh, step up and they say, you know, we want to be an emissary of the love of God and the care of God to a vulnerable child, and we want to step outside of our comfort zone and look uh, to the nations where we see so many children uh, that are in need, uh, that, that need families, but also that countries of origin don't have the resources to be able to to care for for their greatest needs and so uh it's a it's a beautiful thing we're, we're grateful to see uh so many families continue to go through this process of intercountry adoption it's really incredible i'm noting um on your website lifelinechild.org that there are um, a number of informational webinars that people can attend if they want more information and want to connect. I mean, literally, you guys, you could attend a webinar um, today at noon if you wanted to, um, or on the 29th or January 5th or January 12th or January 15th. I mean, there's tons of them. So um, if people have questions and interest, is that the best way, I mean, just in terms of a starting point, would be to attend one of these informational meetings online as a webinar? Yeah, sure. That's the easiest starting point. You know, you're not necessarily giving identifying information. Uh, you're not committing to anything. You're literally just trying to to get some some more concrete information to know what the next steps are. And then certainly our team is always ready and willing to take calls and to answer specific questions, uh, to talk about specific uh, countries and specific children that might be available and that need homes in those countries. And so, uh Going to one of those webinars is 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 tapping your toe into the water to get a lot of those questions answered, and uh, it's just a great opportunity. and And we do those so that families have that opportunity uh, to not just peruse the website, but to actually ask questions and to and to get those questions answered. Yeah, I love that. We're talking with Herbie Newell. We're going to continue our conversation about what's happening at lifelinechild.org. That's the website. That's where we encourage you to connect. We're going to ask him, um, Herbie, to share some stories with us um, from some children who have um, who have experienced adoption internationally um, and what it means for them and for the families of which they are now a part. Herbie Newell is our conversation partner this morning from Lifeline Children's Services. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. 
As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're continuing our conversation with Herbie Newell from Lifeline Children's Services. One of the things you can connect with um, at lifelinechild.org um, is their podcast. Uh, it's the Defender podcast, and the latest episode is Navigating Grief During the Holidays. Um, all kinds of opportunities here uh, in terms of equipping um, for you at lifelinechild.org. Herbie, tell us um, a little bit about these boys from Colombia um, who were internationally adopted this year. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the great things even about these boys, uh, we'll call them K and J, is that I personally was able to meet them when the country of Colombia and the institution that they were living in first asked us to help find a family for them. Uh, this is a, an older brother, Kay, and, and, and his little brother, Jay. And um, one of the things was, was the older brother really was um, perfectly healthy, uh, but the younger brother did have some uh, learning differential. And through the country of Columbia, one of the things that they had asked us to do was actually to host kids, especially kids that are a little bit older, uh, to bring them here in the United States so that a family could see them, but also so that we could get them evaluated medically, so that we could uh, help find out, you know, how would they adjust in a family? And that would really help us to advocate to find a family for these two precious boys. And, you know, sadly enough, they came one time to the United States on this hosting program. And every single child that came on this hosting program found a home except for these two boys. And they went back to Columbia. I actually had the opportunity to visit with them again. Just two precious boys. But but I think there was a lot of, of fear, maybe in trepidation of the unknown with the younger brother. Uh, you know, what what might be there that we don't see and we don't know? And through that process, they had the opportunity to come back again on a hosting program. And, and this next time, actually, the question was asked by folks in Colombia to the older brother, hey, you may not have the opportunity for adoption unless you are willing to be placed separately from your brother. And the older brother said, I, I cannot leave him. I am with him for life. And so even if it means a family for me, I will stay with him forever. And so, to be honest, they went back to Colombia and there still really wasn't a lot of, of action. COVID hit. And then about 18 months ago, we've still been advocating for these boys. A family came forward and they said, we're really interested in bringing, you know, these two boys in our home to be our sons. And beautiful. Uh, we actually had a video that was sent to us when they found out for the first time that there was a family. Uh, the older brother's now 17 and literally weeping with joy that that they had been chosen by a family, that, that they now had a mom and a dad. And then on Thanksgiving Day here in the United States, uh, this this. This, our team in Columbia sent me a video even uh, to see uh, these two boys walking down a hall to meet their family face to face for the first time. And it it, mm. it is so beautiful. 
And, and I think even the beautiful picture, even if you take international adoption out, right, is uh, that's our story. You know, sin has so utterly uh, made us hopeless, but then the Savior comes to bring us in into his home, and it brings such great joy, um, you know, of, of great grace and of, of great love. And and it's just been a beautiful story for our team because we have prayed for these boys. Uh, we have, we see how just great this family is, how uniquely gifted and blessed and how the Lord has, has just even designed their family perfectly for these boys. But yet we see where the Lord truly sets the lonely in families and the Lord truly answered not only our prayers, but ultimately the prayers of, of this oldest little boy for a family for he and his brother. Talk with us about um, how many kids here in the United States are adoption eligible and what you see churches doing, like the role you see churches playing, because there might be somebody listening who's like, I I would love to do that, but I would need a network. I would need a support system. I would need some financial help. Like, Talk, talk with us about the role that churches play in, in helping families say yes, and then how many kids in the U.S. are adoption eligible right now? Yeah, absolutely. So we have 450,000, give or take, kids in U.S. foster care, and about one-third, so 150,000 kids, are available currently for adoption uh, from the U.S. foster care system. Additionally, there are women who are placing their children uh, for adoption. Uh, The the average statistics are there anywhere from 30 to 40,000 domestic adoption placements, uh, which would be a birth mother surrenders her rights. So, you know, you have about 180 190,000 kids at any given year that are available in the U.S. for adoption. I think, you know, one of the things that you said, even in that question, was was finances. I think a lot of times families are concerned about finances. And what I would want to tell families at first, and, and you mentioned the podcast, we actually have a podcast on funding your adoption. Um, most families can fund their adoption without any debt, uh, and without dipping into their savings. There are so many grant opportunities. Uh, there's so many scholarship opportunities. And churches can even start their own grant and scholarship opportunities through some of these grant organizations to help families be able to walk through that burden of cost that that is involved in the adoption process. But I think the the second thing that you said, which is so important, is just like Aaron and her held up Moses's arms in the wilderness. We need families within the church who might not be called to adopt, who might not be called to foster, to come alongside of the families that are and help them in community. Uh, you know, I think for any of us that are parents, we would say the invaluable support of our friends, our family, but especially our church in helping us get through and navigate the tough times in being a parent, it, that, that is uh, you know, indispensable. We need that. Adoptive families need that as well. And then some regards, they need it to a a different degree because, you know, whenever a child is placed for adoption, there's trauma and there's loss because they've lost that biological nuclear family. And that trauma, that loss is being invited into that home. And we want to help churches to truly be able to wrap around these families, to love these families, and to help them to be able to thrive, not just as a family, but to thrive by reaching the heart of their child for the gospel of Christ Jesus. So good. Herbie, thank you, um, as always, so much for all that you guys do at Lifeline um, Children's Services. You guys can connect with Herbie and the things we've talked about today and so much more. Lifelinechild.org. Lifelinechild.org. All the things we talked about today will be linked to in the show notes, including the podcast. Um, I will track down specifically the one on funding your adoption um, and put that link in the show notes as well. Um, Herbie, thank you so much. Carmen, thanks for having us. It's always a pleasure. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Um, We are going to take a brief break here for Breakpoint. Well, if you were to um, Google news related to Ukraine today, um, you would be hearing um, that the United States is planning to ship U.S. Patriot missiles to Ukraine, even though that um, you know might lead to unpredictable consequences. Um, you would read that the eastern-occupied region of Donetsk uh, suffered its worst attack since 2014 on Thursday. Um, and that in the south, Russia launched strikes at the city of Kherson after a wave of fatal shelling in the region earlier in the week. Um, Kherson now completely disconnected from power supplies. I mean, I, we are um, every once in a while, like we, we feel like we have good news and then we have um, devastating news, right? Um, there's rising concern about not only physical but mental health Almost every child in the country is at desperate risk. That is the assessment of UNICEF as we approach Christmas. And so in the midst of all of that, you know, we want to we find the helpers. We want to turn and we want to see who's helping. We, uh, we've been talking about um, Slavic Gospel Association and the work that they're doing through a network of 2,300 churches inside of Ukraine, um, efforts to keep people warm this winter, turning churches into warming centers and um, and really surging supplies um, forward through churches in the region. Chris Manson is going to come back and join us next. Um, he is, you will remember, the um, uh, the guy that works in healthcare, right, in Peoria, Illinois. And um, in, in seeing what was happening in Ukraine, his child asked, well, what are we going to do to help? Daddy, what are you going to do to help? And Chris said, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to send him an ambulance. And that is how this effort got started And now um, a number of ambulances have been sent. We're going to get an update from Chris on exactly how many and um, and then what's happening right now in terms of gathering more. So Chris Manson joins us next on the Ambulances for Ukraine effort. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Now, I don't know if I wasn't really thinking that this was like St. Francis Day on Mornings with Carmen, but it's kind of St. Francis Day on Mornings with Carmen because we talked with Laurel Gillen about a bellwether Christmas and um, the the origins of the living nativity and um, and her novel related to that. And now we're having a follow-up conversation with Chris Manson and OSF Healthcare, um, of which he is the Vice President for Government Relations, is, you know, is an outgrowth of these Franciscan sisters, the sisters of the Third Order of St. Francis, founded in Peoria, Illinois, in 1877. So, Chris, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, it's a fun um, connecting point to 
uh, to be able to get an update from you. Um, remind us of the backstory. This this started when your seven year old daughter asked you a question, and you know, and then here we are today. So um, let's go back to that question and the observation that she made, and then what God's been doing since then. Yeah. Um, so again, back in uh, into February, early March, watching the news with my daughter, um, and she you know, sees the suffering that's going on in Ukraine, sees what's happening. And um, at seven, you know, we're, I try and change the channel in the news so she didn't see everything, but she saw enough. And honestly, it started with, we're, we're about ready to have dinner and say the blessing before we eat. And she says, well, when we say the blessing, can we um, say a few prayers for the people of Ukraine? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. And that, you know, did that for a couple of days. And then finally she said, you know, dad, um, this is bothering me. You know, these, I can see these kids suffering, the people suffering. Is there something that, that we can do to help? And it was from that question that really got me thinking and trying to figure out if there really was something that could be done um, to, to help uh, what was going on in Ukraine, to help the people there. And we landed on the idea of getting an ambulance, filling it full of supplies and, uh, you know, trying to get it over there. And again, um, the, the way this whole thing worked, I've, I, I always started off with, I know this is a very crazy idea trying to do this. Um, and I reached out to an ambulance provider in Peoria, asked them that question. Hey, do you, would you be willing to give us an ambulance? I know it's crazy. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. It's kind of a big um, thing to ask for, right? I mean, like, like oh, not just like yeah, a physically absolutely. big thing, but like an ambulance is an expensive item. Yeah, exactly. I was expecting a maybe, let me see what I can do. Let me... F- I'll try and talk to other ambulance providers. And he responded with, what do you need, gas or diesel? Mm. And, you know. I love that, that guy. Hey, what's that guy's yeah. first name? Like, that's a guy who we want to be like, all right, we want to we want to put him on our thank God for that guy list. Yeah, his name's Andrew. Uh, it's Andrew. AMT of, Cent- AMT of Central Illinois. They got the ball rolling without their ambulance. Yeah, you mentioned the sisters. With, without without his ambulance and without you know i went to my to, to my my boss is actually a sister went to my boss and said hey sister i, I feel this calling and um you know i hope you know may, i hope you don't mind if i maybe take some time off to work on this or whatever and she said you know come on you're talking to, you're talking to a sister if you you know if you're feeling a calling you're feeling god's calling you to do something we're going to support you and then sure enough osf uh, provided some supplies and then we put the call out to all of our employees our, we call them mission partners and um, basically ask for a couple different things, uh, a clotting agent that you could buy, like at a first aid kit, like at a, a Bass Pro Shop or something, um, or like emergency blankets. And when we had a blessing ceremony for that ambulance before it went uh, overseas, I had mission partners from all over our 15 hospitals sending me this packets of this quick clot, which is this clotting agent or emergency blankets. In addition to the other supplies that we had, we just jam pack that ambulance full of these other supplies. So when that ambulance left on March 29th, we got it on an aircraft. It literally was filled to the ceiling, door to door, front to back with every kind of medical supply that you would need to help someone in an emergency situation. We're talking with Chris Manson. And if you're saying to yourself, hey, I know somebody who has access to Quick Clot. I know somebody who has access to emergency blankets. I know an, an organization, an outlet, a commercial partner that um, might be willing to load up an ambulance that is headed to Ukraine. Or, hey, 
I know um, who's got an ambulance, an extra ambulance sitting around. That might be a little strange um, thing, but somebody might have one. Um, we want to put you in touch. So, Chris, what's the best way for people to reach out and follow up um, if they really do like feel like, oh, you know what? God has put me at a nexus where I have access to some relationships and some resources, and I'd like to help. Um, what would be the best way for them to connect with you? You know, I think probably the best way to connect would be if um, to, to find me on Twitter. It's ambulances U, it's ambulances plural, and then the letter U. Um, I'm that's where that's I'm not a social media person. I don't do Facebook. I don't do Instagram. But for this, I we created this because I wanted people to see the ambulances um, in action. I wanted to be able to you know let the donors know that your ambulances are being um, um, used the way we had hoped they would be. Um, and then also to help with reach out to, or, you know, kind of reach out to people. So it's ambulances you, and you can find us on Twitter. Um, yeah. But I'll so, tell you, we, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, let me just say that if you're looking for the handle, you could also type in U.S. Ambulances for Ukraine. They tweet at ambulances, plural, ambulances you. But the handle is U.S. Ambul- ambulances for Ukraine if you're typing it in um, and searching on Twitter. Um, so go ahead, Chris. I interrupted you. Sorry Thank, about that. No, no, no. Thank you. You're much more sophisticated in this stuff. Like I said, <laughs> I wasn't doing this stuff before, before March. I was not doing that. So I appreciate it. Um, no, I'm just, I'm happy to report. I think when um, we last talked, I had, you know, we had the one ambulance and I, I, I had a, I had a few more um, that we had sent or that we were going to be sending. Um, I'm now happy to report. We have 18 ambulances in Ukraine. It's amazing. Um, we've made uh, we've had six shipments of ambulances. I've made three deliveries. I've been there th- three times. I was just there in October, and we drove in a convoy of seven American ambulances um, from Poland all the way to uh, to uh, Lviv, Rivna, Kiev, and all the way down to the Black Sea in Odessa. And I've got to tell you, when people see a convoy of American ambulances, their heads turn. They're like, what is going on? Um, and it's a great feeling to fly the American flag and to know that you're you know you're there to help and to deliver these vehicles. Um, but I'm also excited to let you know that in addition to those 18, I've, we've got another shipment of 10 ambulances that have been coming from across the country this past week. And in fact, are happening right now as, I, as I'm talking to you, trucks are moving and they're gonna be delivering these 10 ambulances and now one fire engine to a port on the East Coast. And by the uh, middle of next week, those ambulances uh, and that one fire engine will be on a ship heading towards Europe. And um, I'm hoping that in mid-January, I'll be flying out with a team of Americans and we'll be uh, working with uh, some our Ukrainian counterparts and um, that'll come over to help us. And we will deliver that convoy of 10 ambulances and uh, one fire engine, uh, kind of a belated Christmas present, but we're going to get it there. Okay. It's just, it's so exciting. So um, I know that there's a lot of thank yous to say in relationship to this. Um, there's, a, there's one of these ambulances that is going to be loaded up soon is coming in from Colorado. So big thank you to South Metro um, PIO for that donation. Um, there's also these very, very sweet videos um, on on the Twitter feed um, from people in Ukraine. One little girl sitting on the front, um, you know, the front bumper of a fire engine. Like there's just um, this is a good this is a good news story in the midst of some very, very bad news. Um, and, and, and so I want to, I want to thank you again, Chris, for responding. Um, I want to thank you for doing what you saw in front of you to do. 
Um, and then like shepherding the process, um, because that is, that is huge as well. When we come back, I'd love for you to, um, just tell us some stories, some, you know, some stories of some people you've met, some experiences you've had, you know, how, how have the ambulances come from across the United States? Um, you know, how do they, how do they get from here to there and, and anything in between? We're just going to invite you to tell us some stories of your experiences over just the last several months, because all of this friends just started in the spring of 2022. Like this story isn't even a year old yet. And we're now talking about the 28th ambulance headed to Ukraine. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We're going to continue our conversation with Chris Manson in just a moment. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do every morning on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check out the free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. One of the things I would like for you to consider is becoming a Faith Radio ambassador. We talk about walking our faith out into the world that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus, well, that's because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You can become a Faith Radio ambassador today and help us get the word out to others about this and other programs on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, We will supply everything that you need to share with others, and you can sign up to be a Faith Radio ambassador at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Chris Manson. Um, he serves at OSF Healthcare. He's the Vice President of Government Relations. But he's been on this um, really unique spiritual mission. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to call it. It's just awesome. It's something, you know, hatched at home that now is literally changing the lives of people um, in Ukraine um, so, Chris, thank you for, you know, being responsive to the spirit. Thank you for going out, you know, uh, on what might have felt like um, a bit of a ledge uh, or a limb. And and yet finding that, you know, when God wants to have something really big accomplished, he has to start with one willing person. And so it's just it's so exciting to see these ambulances um, moving from across the United States and then through whatever um, refitting has to happen to them, and then you uh, you get them to these people in Ukraine who need them on the front lines. So talk with us. Tell us some stories about um, what you've experienced this past year. These could be people. These could be places. Yeah. These could be the things, whatever. We'd, we'd just like to hear some stories. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, spiritual journey, might that's a good way to describe it. Um, you know, I, I was always close to my faith and thought I had a good relationship with God. But I got to tell you, after the past nine months, it, it's definitely even closer, and it's I'm, I'm I'm much better for it. So I'm incredibly grateful just just for the experience and to be able to to be to be a part of this. Um, I will tell you. So in October, we we had seven ambulances that we were going to take into uh, to Ukraine. We had them staged in our location. Um, in, a, in a particular location in uh, uh, Poland, and we had some mechanical difficulties. We had anticipated there might be some issues, so we were there, we were there a day early in Poland working on these ambulances. And as we were working on them and getting everything everything up to speed, um, <clears throat> we received a phone call from the uh, Ukrainian government, my contacts on the government, and basically they had said, "Hey, unfortunately, the Russians had uh, increased their missile strikes. They're using these suicide drones." 
um, it wasn't safe to bring the ambulances into Ukraine and we needed to make some changes. And I was like, well, you know, that, that can't be, I've come all this way where, we're, you know, we're going to make this happen. And so we, we tried to figure out what we were going to do, what was, you know, what would be the, the safe thing to do. And eventually, you know, we said, you know what, uh, we're going to go ahead and go forward. We made some adjustments to, you know, maybe the drop-off locations. But it turned out that because of the mechanical difficulties um, that we experienced, we really did get delayed a bit. So when we finally did cross the border, uh, when we had encountered some other delays, when we did cross the border, we ended up crossing um, at a much later time, which actually in hindsight was probably better from a, um, uh, a military standpoint or from a uh, being observed standpoint because we were crossing in, in the cover of darkness. You know, you can't do anything about the cruise missiles, but the, the drones, you know, if they're loitering overhead, that would be an area, that would be something you'd be concerned about because if they see you, they can hit you kind of thing. And so, um, you know, so we finally get to go ahead and go, we cross and, as we're crossing, it must be, it's like midnight-ish, maybe it's one o'clock in the morning. And, oh, and I'll tell you, this operation, we had decided to name Operation um, Archangel after Michael the Archangel, simply mm -hmm. because Michael the Archangel is the patron saint of um, ambulances and ambulance crews, and it just seemed like a good fit. So as we're crossing, we cross over this border, it's maybe one o'clock in the morning, we're worried about drone strikes. We know the cruise missiles have been hitting all over Ukraine. We're, we're going in, and I, I believe we're probably 30, 40 minutes into Ukraine, and I come across, of all things, a Michael the Archangel. I'm not sure. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not sure if it was a statue or if it was painted on the side of a church. All I can tell you, is it was illuminated. Um, it was lit up, and I could see it, and it made me think, hey, you know what? I think things are going to be okay. Mm. And sure enough, things were okay. Um, the missile and drone strikes, every place we went, was hit either the day before or the day after, but we, and you know, we had some, we had to deal with some air raids, but, um, but we never had any kind of in, you know, we were never impacted by anything. And so we were able to just kind of miss that the entire time. And we were able to deliver all seven ambulances and we were able to deliver, um, you know, over two tons of uh, medical and fire medical supplies and fire equipment. So, but it just struck me to see that at, you know, one o'clock in the morning and said, all right, I think things are going to be okay. I hope you're so making like a, I hope you're making a God is so good journal or something like a, like keep, because it, you know, it, they will, um, there will be so many of these experiences and, um, and you'll forget the early ones if you don't, and you'll definitely forget the ones that happen in the middle if you don't um, chronicle them. So I'll encourage you to do that. Like a God is so good journal and be sure that, you know, every detail of, um, of that story. I mean, the the fact that you not only saw it and it gave you a sense of God's presence and protection and his watch care over the process, but that it was illuminated. Like, I got to think yeah. in a war zone, there's not a lot of stuff that's illuminated. Right. No, I mean, it's, yeah. and like I said, I can't tell you, I don't know, you know, it's, it was a long day. I can't even yeah. tell you if it was a statue or if it was a painting. It, it's well, just, and frankly, all I know is it was it, there. It, yeah, well, and here's know. the thing. It might have only been there then. Like, this is the other part of this, right? It's like, we might do a, a thoroughgoing search of of your route, and we might never find such an image or um, or such a statue. And, and you know, it's because it, it's possible God gave it to you in the moment. Like, it's n nobody really knows how all of that works. I mean, God is, um, 
you know, God's real. He's doing his thing. He's going to get his glory. He's operating in the context of human history. You're experiencing that in real time. And we're getting to um, hear you witness um, to those experiences and that reality. And it's so encouraging because there's just so many times, Chris, that I think people imagine that, you know, God's not integrally involved. He's not active. He's not working. And you're experiencing it in real time. God is not only um, providing the vision and stirring up the compassion. God's bringing forward the resources. He's stirring the hearts of other people across the country to come alongside. He's making a way where sometimes there seems to be no way. He's providing watch care, um, and he's delivering. He's delivering, and 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 then you know he's going to get the glory. And I I love and appreciate that you give him the glory as well. Talk about um, maybe a story of a recipient, like something you've heard from the people who have received these ambulances or fire trucks and supplies um, and how these things are being used. Well, I can tell you, I've received some pictures of some of the ambulances that we just delivered. I'll give you quick, two quick stories. One, ambulances that we just delivered are um, in October are on the front line in a place called Bakhmut, which has seen some of the heaviest fighting um, since uh, since the war began, I mean, it's been compared to like World War One trench warfare. So I, I I've just been told that my that our ambulances have transported many wounded. I've seen some pictures, so that's gratifying to know that they're being used that way. Um, and you know, another time I met a soldier um, in Minnesota that had been a, a amputee he was receiving care in the United States. And we started talking, and I've been in the military. He'd been in artillery. He was in artillery. And we, we struck up a conversation through an interpreter, but basically he said, when I was hit, I was thrown into the back of an ambulance and it was an American style ambulance. And, you know, thankfully I was treated and it saved my life and I'm here today. Now I have no way of knowing if it was one of our American ambulances, um, but to have someone say, you know, Hey, if it wasn't for the vehicle to get me out of there, um, I probably wouldn't be here. And to have them tell me that it was an American style ambulance um, and in, in an area that I know we have ambulances it's that kind of stuff that just makes you want to go ahead and make sure you get more ambulance. You want to do whatever you can to support these people and to get as much, you know, aid to the area as you possibly can. So those are a couple of things that just kind of stick with me. Well, we, um, we love that you are allowing God to use you in this way. And we want to thank you for allowing us to, um, to participate by knowing and spreading the word. You guys can correct, uh, connect directly with Chris Manson on Twitter at ambulances you ambulances that's plural with an s at the end ambulances and the letter u um, great uh, great way to connect Chris um, thank you so much and Merry Christmas oh, Merry Christmas thanks for having me back absolutely we look forward to talking with you again in the new year Chris is in uh, Peoria Illinois so um, you know if you see him out and about town um, you know give him um, give him a high five and uh, shake his hand and tell him you appreciate him and ask him how you can help. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. (laughs) You guys are so great. You're asking really good questions on the text line this morning. Thank you so much. You can always text me during the show, 877-933-2484. Thank you for your winter wonderland pictures that you are taking out your window. Wow, really stunning scenes out there. Be careful, be safe. Schools are closed in lots of places. Um, Roads are treacherous in many places. Um, Thank you to those of you who are out there doing 
um, what must be done to, you know, get the things to the places that they need to be. Uh, And so thank you today to farmers who, you know, you're going to take care of animals, even though the weather's bad. Thank you to truckers who are going to be hauling stuff around, even though the weather is bad. Thank you to all the healthcare workers. And thank you to Paul Perot for uh, making the trek in this morning, making this broadcast possible. You mentioned a trucker on the drive-in in the other lane going northbound. I was going southbound on the interstate near me, and there was a jackknife semi. So, yeah, mm. it wasn't pretty at all this morning. Yeah, so. be safe out there today. Um, you know, go slow. Go yeah. slow. Pray a lot. Um, thank you so much for this time together. I uh, do really appreciate each and every one of you. You can share the show with others using the Faith Radio app or the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.